like that. Hello, you everybody. Welcome to this that. Monday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. I cannot believe that we are here today. I am as surprised as you are that we are having a show today. Give yourselves a round of applause, everybody. Let's give ourselves a round of applause for thinking. And there's some of you out there that believed in me. And I greatly appreciate it that you believed that we could record a show for Monday. We have not done this in a couple weeks, so it was nice to have that support group around me at all times, and it was just really nice to have that. And I'm surprised that we are here today. And before we get into what we're going to talk about today, let's go over the housekeeping items first. Make sure to follow the Logan Blattman Show on every single form of social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and of course, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You can find me on Twitter at Logan underscore Blackman. Instagram account is Blackman Logan, with the show's Instagram account being The Logan Blackman Show 1. Facebook and YouTube, search Logan Blackman Show. Like and follow the Facebook page and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Check out a few videos on YouTube. Check out a few blog posts on Facebook. You can check out the blog posts, I guess, on every single form of social media that we just mentioned. And with that being said, we did talk about this on Friday's show, that we were going to look today. So I thought it was going to be Wednesday. I did think it was going to be Wednesday. But I can promise you, hand on heart, that I have not clicked on my draft since Friday. Since Thursday. Since Thursday, because that's when we recorded it. Since Thursday, I've not touched the mock draft. And when we recorded the show on Thursday for Friday, we said, I want this mock draft to be at 100 views. 100 views. It'd be the second ever post that I've had on the LoganBlyman that would be over 100 views. The first one being, first and only one, up until that point was the OPR, thank you OPR post that I made when On Press Row got canceled back in March of 2020. So almost three years ago today. I don't know the exact date. I don't remember when exactly the show ended. But the as I check right now, I could say that we reached the 100-yard mark. So good job, everybody. We did it. I greatly appreciate everybody that clicked on it. I can promise you, again, hand on heart, hand on the Bible. I got a new book for my dad. So I went to go visit my parents today, or at least visit my mom, because my dad's going to Iowa City, so I had to take care of our dog, Bear. Big Rottweiler, seven-year-old Rottweiler. And we have a bunch of books. The Blackman household is filled with random-ass books. And the thing that's really funny, these books have not moved in however long we lived there. So before my first grade year, before I was in first grade, these books have not been touched. They have not moved. They might have been touched. Okay, they might have been touched. But they haven't been moved from the shelf. The shelf. They might have been poked. That's about it. So they, they're painting the living room area. And they took all this stuff off the shelves because they're painting the shelves too. And my mom gave me a book that she said, oh, Logan, your dad wanted you to have this book. And I was like, okay, this could go a couple different directions here. What kind of book is my dad wanting me to have? And she handed me this, The Buffalo Bills and the Almost Dream Season by Vic Carucci. This book came out do they have an official date when it came out do they have it like in the epilogue or something or is that what the beginning of the book's called this book is a 19 copy 1991 copy 1991 this book is older than me this book is older than i'm sure a lot of you listening to the show are and i will swear by this i have not clicked on the mock draft since thursday and this book's really cool i might actually read it so my mom was like, your dad wants you to get learnt up on this team. I was like, what? I was raised with this. This was my childhood. I got told all about these different teams. This is obviously about the Super Bowl where they lost to the New York Giants, the first one, the the Scott Norwood right, wide right thing. But Vic Carucci is a longtime Buffalo writer who 
when I was a kid, I used to watch on NFL Network. So NFL Network used to do this thing. I don't know if they still do. For whatever reason, we don't have NFL Network at home, but I can watch it on my laptop using the same login stuff that we have at home. I don't understand how it works, but they used to do NFL Network top 10s. And they would go over the most random topics, like the most the top 10 left-handed quarterbacks, top 10 uh, draft classes, the top 10 Super Bowl duels, top 10 whatever, Super Bowl games, whatever you want to go with, top 10 rivalries, 10 trades, draft, draft day trades, whatever. And Vic Crucci was constantly a figure on there because on NFL Network, they would go out and get people associated with almost every NFL team. And there are older clips. They tried to have a newer one recently, but they I don't know how long that really went because, again, I haven't watched the NFL Network in a while, but they're all on YouTube. So I recommend you go and watch because they're super entertaining. They're super entertaining. I used to have my dad come downstairs to my nana and papa's house because we didn't have cable growing up. So we would, I would be down in my grandparents' basement watching NFL Network Top 10s, and I go, Dad, 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 come downstairs because I love one thing I loved doing was having my dad there because he lived through all of that stuff. At the time, I was like, I don't know, a very impressionable, like, what, 10-year-old maybe? Somewhere around that age range. And you're sitting there like, I asked my dad all these different questions about all these different teams, all these different moments, and the Scott Norwood miss is in there. There was one top 10, I believe, was like top 10 what-ifs in NFL history, and that one is definitely on there. What if Scott Norwood made the field goal instead of missing it wide right? So when my mom told me that your dad wanted you to get learned, one my dad wanted me to get more learnt up on the season, like I've lived this, but I'm definitely taking it because it's a really cool book and it's an old book, and I I like Vic Carucci, at least I did. I don't know if he's still even writing anymore. I think he might have been retired now, but Vic Carucci has covered the Buffalo Bills in pro football for the Buffalo News since 1982. He's co-author of two books: "Buy a Nose" with Fred Smurlis, my dad's favorite player growing up, and "They Call Me Dirty" with Conrad Dobler. He's also a special correspondent for Sports Illustrated and a regular contributor to several uh, periodicals, periodicals, what, several periodicals, including the Sporting News. Before joining the Buffalo News, Carucci wrote for the Camden, New Jersey Courier Post, Courier Post, and the Utica, New York Observer Dispatch. He lives in East Amherst, New York with his wife, Rhonda, and their daughters, Kristen and Lindsay. So yeah, I'm going to be reading this at some point, but I will swear by this, I have not clicked on it. And we are at 107 views right now. I The last time I checked on it before the other day was like a week ago before that. And we were at like 30-something. And then all of a sudden, oh, boom, it was at 80. And the next time I checked it, boom, it was at 90. And then now, boom, it's at 107. Well, now 108 because I'm going to click on it now. Because 108 is a cool number. Number 8 was my soccer number. So I got to go with the, the, the number 8 as the final number there. So 108 views on that. And I, again, I can promise you, hand on heart, I have not clicked on this 108 times. I can promise you that. So I do appreciate the 100, or I, I have clicked on it, but so let's guesstimate around like 100 and uh, thank you to the 103 people that have viewed on it because I have clicked on it. And I'm not going to sit here and act like I haven't clicked on it at all. But since I said I wasn't going to click on it, I haven't clicked on it until right now. So yeah, give yourselves a round of applause again. And the final thing is, before we get into the show, make sure, again, you uh, follow and subscribe the Apple Podcasts and Spotify accounts. If you're listening right now and you're not sure, just make sure to double check and leave a rating out of five stars on both of them. It could be a one-star rating. It could be a five-star rating. Just let me know why the way why you feel the way you do down below in the description. I would greatly, greatly appreciate it. could be a good thing. It could be a bad thing about the show in general. It could be about an individual episode. Who the hell knows? Who the hell cares? Just let me know down in the description below. 
And this weekend was a really interesting one. It was a very interesting weekend. It was a very fun weekend. Some part, well, it was fun for the most part. There were some boring parts in there. Because when you're a hermit like me, when you're a hermit that obsesses about things like the NFL draft, something that not a lot of your friends really care that deeply about, or they do, but it just so happens that it only takes place when their team is picking. And they will follow different things, but watching the combine is not necessarily top their list of priorities for a Saturday afternoon. Like when you're sitting there on a Saturday, you go out with your friends, you get lunch, you do whatever. Logan did none of that. Logan got lunch at 2 because I ordered Jimmy John's at 12.57, got the confirmation email. Jimmy John's got there to my apartment. And let me let this be known. Jimmy John's from my apartment is about a Rico from Napoleon Dynamite throw away from my apartment. So it's not like it's insanely far. It's about where the mountains were. Like, you can see Jimmy John's pretty much from my apartment. It's not too far away. You've got two lights in between my apartment and Jimmy John's. And yet it took it almost an hour to get here. And I was going to do the whole, like, let's wait an hour. Let's wait it out, and then we will see, and then we will launch a formal complaint on Jimmy John's of this non-freaky fast delivery. Freaky slow delivery. Am I right? <laughs> oh my goodness, we have jokes and fun here on the Logan Blackman Show on this Monday edition of the show. But it was weird. It took forever. And then I got it. I mean, the sandwich is good. Because when the Jimmy John's comes late, it's kind of nerve-wracking. Because it can be kind of soggy if you get certain sauces and oils on it. So I started doing easy on the sauce, on the, the vinegar and oil. Like, you got to go easy on that because it gets too soggy. I had a lot of that problem when I was down at William Penn getting soggy bread. And sometimes it can be good. Most of the time it's not. So I have tried to avoid that at all costs. So I do easy there. But after that, or during that, I was just sitting down in my apartment watching the Combine. I was just watching the NFL Combine. And it's something that I actually enjoy doing, especially on Saturday. Especially on Saturday. Because Saturday was the day of the NFL Combine. Like, I'm not going to sit here and act like not every Combine day is important. Every single day of the NFL Combine is important. It just so happens that one day is more important. It's kind of like the old saying, like, oh, parents don't have favorites. Parents don't have favorite children and stuff like that. That might not be true, but one's more important than the other. Like, it's, you're not going to say it. You're not going to say it. You feel like you're going to be mean to the other position groups. Like, no, no, off to linemen and running backs. You guys are fine. You guys are fine. No, 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 no. It's fine. It's fine. You don't need Just wipe the tears away. Wipe the tears away. Because I can, probably, I can tell you this, I didn't watch the combine today. <laughs> as wrong as that is, as bad as that is, and it may seem like I did not care about the running backs and off the linemen, I had a scheduled event to go play Frisbee golf today. And let me tell you this, it was a cold, windy, wet, and then really hot day all rolled into one. There's an old thing in Iowa where you have the extremes of every single season. Like, in the state of Iowa, we get the worst winters, worst summers, worst... Falls are beautiful. Falls are beautiful and springs are beautiful. The worst summers and the worst winters. Like, our worsts compete with almost every state out here. It's ridiculous. Like, these past few weeks have been like, oh, it's completely sunny out. Oh, fret not. It's about to be ruined. We're going to have snow again in T-minus one day. Like, wait, 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 what? What do you, what do you mean? What do you mean? We're just playing soccer. Now, why is there snow on the ground? This isn't what it's supposed to happen. This is what it's supposed to happen. And then today. So Zach, who again has been on the show before, shout out Zach, texted me and a couple of their friends on like Thursday. It's like, hey, guys, it's going to be warm 
on Sunday. It's going to be like 56 degrees, which in Iowa, that's warm. When you get to that th- that threshold of you get above the 50s and you're in March, oh, that's prime weather. That's primo weather right there. Zach texts us. We're like, oh, yeah, we're down. We're down. I played a shit ton of Frisbee golf during my week and a half in Montana in July. So I have gotten pretty damn good at Frisbee golf. Not, not that good. Not that good. I was third best in Montana. I was third best today. The only difference was there was five people today and three people in Montana, including myself. So you know what? I can only take, I can only beat the competition I'm given. I can only beat the schedule that's in front of me. Okay. But it literally went from freezing cold, like really cold, wet, and then windy. Cause that, you know, every single old person in Iowa, it's not the cold that gets you. It's the wind. It's the wind that gets you. That's the bad thing. It's the wind. You tell people that when I was at William Penn because the football stadium's in a freaking pit, essentially. The wind comes off the cornfield, especially when they freshly manure that cornfield. That first time that happened, we had a lot of people from out of state, like from cities like Miami and Oakland, that did not really enjoy the smell of manure wafting over the Oskaloosa Community Stadium. I don't know if it's still called that. If it's not, I apologize, but that was what it was when I was there. Oskaloosa Community Football Stadium. And... Yeah, that wind is cold. And when we got past, like, there was a part where the the trees were pretty much blocking. We went down to Indianola for this. The trees were pretty much blocking all the wind, and then we crossed a certain path, and then all of a sudden, you get punched in the face by Mother Nature, and you're like, okay, this is not fun. And you try to throw a Frisbee in the wind, and the wind's blowing right at your freaking face. Yeah, it's not the most easy task in the world. I mean, for other people. I mean, like me, it was fine because, you know, you saw my video of the the throw-off competition video. Like, I definitely threw that thing 55 yards. Now, granted, that was two years ago? How long ago was that? And you you can check it out on the YouTube channel. It's a pretty good video. Shout out to Chris, Noah, and Spencer for helping me out making that video. It was a pretty good video. I enjoyed that one. I got some more videos that I kind of want to get in the works soon. I don't know how soon, but we're going to try and make something happen. We'll stay tuned on that. We might have some of their big news that pops up tomorrow. And I'm not going to announce it now because I'm not sure if I'm going to do it or not yet. So you'll just get slapped in the face with it at some point tomorrow if it happens. If it happens. We're going to try and go back to doing the clips. I was going through... So I got a notification on Facebook today. And I was going through all my old... Like I only did it in 2020 or 2021 where I did podcast clips. Like I like doing that. But I just got away from doing that for whatever reason. So I'm going to start doing that again. But like today... With the, the wind, it was cr- howling like freaking crazy. And they got hot. My I wore a windbreaker that I got in Montana, fondly enough, where I played all my Frisbee golf. The only time I ever played Frisbee golf was in Montana. And the only time I wore that jacket was in Montana. And guess what? Today, I'm playing Frisbee golf wearing the jacket. But with it being so windy, and like when you're a strong-armed person as I am, you could fight through the wind and stuff. But, like, but the sun just got, it got really nice. But you got, like, I don't want to carry around my jacket. So I just, I battled through it. I battled it because I'm built different. I'm just built different. Built different. And then we got Mexican food and stuff like that. But the wind is key. The wind is a key thing. Because if you go back to the 2018 NFL draft, this connects, I promise. And I'm looking at my Bills book right now. So you should understand where I'm going at. If I give you a date and a team, you should have a general idea of what I'm talking about here. So when the Buffalo Bills were drafting in 2018, they had the 21st and 22nd picks in the draft. They went in because they had their own pick, and then they had the Chiefs pick from the Patrick Mahomes trade. 
because they went from 10 to 27 and drafted Tredavious White, and then they got a, another guy. So we'll, stop, we'll talk about the other guy in here a little bit. But Buffalo, like Iowa, kind of gets that rap of the winters are extreme, the summers are extreme, and it's like these vast extremes. Like, Iowa doesn't get the snow that Buffalo does. Like, there's no giant – I mean, Sailorville is pretty freaking huge. I mean, there's a mile-long bridge. Like, whether the lakes are mile-long. Like, who, who – what? Like, the, the fact we don't get lake effect snow is kind of crazy, given how massive Sailorville is. And we got Big Creek, too. Like, it's a big creek. It's big. Like, we could get lake effect snow, but we don't. We're lucky, thankfully. But the cold and wind in Iowa is similar to that to Buffalo. Though the snow is different, the wind and the cold is similar. And when the Bills were drafting in 2018, one thing was said about one specific quarterback that was like, oh, this guy could be perfect for Buffalo. He's very raw, but he's got the talent. And he's got an arm. He's got a freaking howitzer that this thing could blast through all the cold and wind in Buffalo. That got beat down every Bills fan's throat until he actually started playing. Like, it became a running gag at a certain point where it was like, oh, the only reason they, like, man, good thing they drafted this guy because he's going to be able to play through this insane Buffalo weather. And then, of course, is Josh Allen. Josh Allen is a guy that went from potential project piece to being the best quarterback in his draft class. And we'll talk about another guy in that draft class here in a little bit as well. But Josh was the, if he succeeds, if he works out, then this guy could very well be the best quarterback in this draft class. If he has the right support system, if he is given time, if he is given XYZ, this guy could be something special. And his rookie year, the numbers weren't really there. The numbers passing-wise weren't there. The rushing numbers were great. The passing numbers were a little up and down. But you could see moments where you were like, this guy's got something. It was just the fact that he had the worst offensive line in football and then had Kelvin Benjamin as number one wide receiver with Zay Jones as number two and Robert Foster actually led this team in receiving yards his rookie year. Like this offensive line, Deion Dawkins is still there. But then it went from, it went him, Vlad Ducasse, Ryan, a mixture of Ryan Groy and Russell Bodine. And then you had John Miller, or jo- yeah, John Miller at right guard and then Jordan Mills at tackle. And then Nick O'Leary. Did you ever know that Nick O'Leary was Jack Nicholson's son or nephew or whatever? Did you know that? That's crazy. Because that is another thing. That got rammed down Bill's fans' throat every single week. And Charles Clay at tight end, Shady McCoy at running back. There's another running back they had back then. I don't remember who it was. Was Frank Gore there at the time? I think Frank Gore might have. But Chris Ivory. Chris Ivory was the other guy I was looking for. Chris Ivory. You had Jason Kroom there as well. Like, this team was bad. It was kind of a similar-ish situation to the Bears where they gave Josh, similarly to Justin, a very bad team to try and elevate. And Josh elevated the team. The defense was good. The defense was good. They were starting to build something defensively. Defensively, they had the pieces there. But they just, there were random times where they get absolutely blitzed. Like they get beat by the Bears. They get beat by the Ravens. Like absolutely obliterated by these teams. Both games, Josh didn't start against the Ravens. Josh didn't start against the Bears. Both games, Nathan Peterman started in. But the thing I will hold off that Bears game, that was the first rushing touchdown they gave up that entire season, was Nathan Peterman. So give Nathan Peterman a round of applause, ladies and gentlemen. But like Justin Fields, there's a team like the Chicago Bears who have no off the line, and your best wide receiver is at number two at best. 
like he's a fine wideout, but I would take Darnell Mooney over Zay Jones, Kelvin Benjamin, Robert Foster in a freaking heartbeat. Chase Claypool is Justin Fields' version of Kelvin Benjamin. A guy who was a high-value draft pick, like I think Claypool's a second round, second or third-round draft pick, they traded a second-round pick for him. Like I was talking to my friend Spencer last night watching the John Jones fight, and I was like, that trade made no sense when it happened. That trade makes even less sense when you look back and hyper-analyze it, and you look at the fact that the, Bears, the Steelers have the first pick in the second round. That's where it gets like, oh my God, what the hell they do? So he's the Kelvin Benjamin. Zay Jones is the Darnell Mooney. And then Robert Foster, who would he be on the Bears? Nikhil Harry? But it was a little bit different because Nikhil Harry was a high draft pick. He was a first-round draft pick somehow. And then Robert Foster was undrafted and never played for another team again, to my knowledge. He might be somewhere, but he ain't He ain't put up anywhere near the numbers he did Josh Allen's rookie year. But, like, they didn't have the chance to succeed, but you looked at them and you go, like, there's something there. That's why I get annoyed when people look at Justin Fields and go, like, they should move on. They should move on from Justin Fields. They got to get someone else in there. No, they don't. They do not. Now, the difference between Josh and Fields to a certain extent is that the guys who drafted Fields rightfully got fired. The guys who drafted Josh are still in Buffalo as GM and head coach. They, they haven't made any changes in that regard. The Bears have made changes in Justin Fields' first two years in the league. And they're going to do the same thing the Bills did and try to revamp that entire offense with the 90 to $100 million in cap space that they have. Depends on where they want to use that, but you'd want to think that they want to replenish that offense. Defense, Matt Eberflus, obviously being a defensive guy, like Sean McDermott, is going to want to have some peace on defense, but you know that offense is complete and utter garbage. But you see moments. You see moments. And with Josh, everybody kind of was upset with Josh. Or not upset when he, before he got drafted, everybody hated Josh Allen. There were the rumors going around the Cleveland Browns that Josh Allen was going to go to Cleveland. Mel Kuyper said Josh Allen's the best quarterback in this draft class. It will end up like that. And everybody met that with, was, was, with skepticism. And at the time, sorry, I, uh, I have a Canada Dry, Zero Sugar. If you got, like, I don't like ginger ale, but Zero Sugar, Canada Dry, that, that stuff's good. You can call me a loser or whatever. And let me say this, Raisin Bran Crunch is also good. And while I'm on my old people rant, oatmeal is also good. So there we go. We've gotten that all out of the way. I realized this today when I was playing Frisbee golf. I'm old. I turned 26 in November. I'm old. Like, my knees hurt. Like, everything hurts. So I'm I'm struggling, but I'm drinking Canada Dry. I don't have Raisin Bran Crunch right now, and I don't have oatmeal, but I'm going to go to the grocery store tomorrow morning, and I will get all that stuff. Like right after I get done working out, straight to the grocery store, straight back to my apartment, get all that stuff done. But until Josh Allen went to the combine, there were a lot of people that were skeptical about Josh Allen. And then Josh Allen put on a freaking show at the combine, and then everybody started going, okay, this kid's got something. He's got the talent. And that's kind of a similar thing to what's happened with Anthony Richardson to a certain extent. Like, if you go back to the middle of the season... And we talk about Anthony Richardson because we've talked about him a lot on the show. Hell, I made a bra- a post every week apart from week 10. We forgot. We didn't forget. We just ran out of time to do that one. We made a post every single week scouting every single quarterback in this draft class. Top 10 quarterbacks in this draft class. Anthony Richardson can play. He can play. There are a lot of people that are viewing this as a, oh, Josh Allen did this. So Anthony Richardson can do that. And I've said on this show, a few times 
that Anthony Richardson is the closest thing to Josh Allen since Josh Allen. Like, you had the comparisons, like, Trey Lance was that, too. Like, to a certain extent, you have these quarterbacks that are, like, super raw, but they have the talent. Let's see if they can put it all together. And if they do, they'll be the best quarterbacks in this class. Like, if you have an extremely high ceiling and a very low floor, you boom, you're Josh Allen. But if you just watch Anthony Richardson play, Anthony Richardson is a faster Josh Allen in college. Like, they're very similar in what they did. The difference is Anthony Richardson played for Florida, Josh Allen played for Wyoming. So when Josh Allen went up against these bigger schools, like in Iowa or Nebraska, they got absolutely shit-stomped. Anthony Richardson was not winning against, like, Vanderbilt. So there's a little bit of uh, skepticism around that. But I don't want people to go on Twitter, and I've said this before. I've said this before. I don't want Josh Allen to be the norm of this guy sucked one year, and next year he's going to be good. As a Bills fan, I don't want people to think like that because that's not the norm. Josh Allen is not the norm. That is not normal for people to do that, to go from where he was to where he is now to where we're talking about guaranteed MVP candidate at the start of the season, like to where he was, where people are talking about he's a bust before he played a snap at the NFL, which is one of my least favorite things of all time saying that. That's not normal. That's not normal that that happened. So I'm not sitting here and saying that Anthony Richardson is Josh Allen where he will be super and he'll be better than supernova. No, and what I'm saying with he's similar to Josh Allen, his arm strength is on par with Josh Allen. You can make an argument that Anthony Richardson has a stronger arm than Josh Allen. Anthony Richardson is more elusive than Josh Allen. Anthony Richardson is very similar to Josh Allen in the fact that when you watch him in college, there are throws that make you go, wow, in both good ways and bad ways. There's throws that he can make that no other quarterback in this draft class, and people talk about Will Levis's arm strength. Dorian Thompson-Robinson had threw the ball 62 miles an hour at the combine. There are throws that these guys can't even think about making that Anthony Richardson is attempting. He's very raw, but from an athletic standpoint, he is the most similar to Josh Allen. Like, I'm not sitting here and saying he's going to be Josh Allen. I don't want to make that sound, I don't want to make this sound like I'm saying he's going to be Josh Allen. But from what he can do and from what I've watched, which I've watched every freaking Florida game, I was calling for Anthony Richardson last year because Anthony Richardson's UAB, that was a game I bet on, Florida UAB, UAB or UAB, uh, USF, USF, not UAB, USF, and they didn't cover. Emory Jones threw two horrific interceptions. Anthony Richardson comes in off the bench and throws for over 100 yards and rushes for over 100 yards. And I think one of those rushes for about 70 yards. And then he got hurt, and Emory Jones came back in and kept the job. But then Anthony Richardson came into this season like, I'm the guy. Like, if you've listened to the show since last year, that's all you need to listen to for the show. You've known we have talked about Anthony Richardson on the show. This has not been a new revelation on the Logan Blackman show that, oh, my God, Anthony Richardson is a good thing. Because there are some people out there that are going two different extremes with Anthony Richardson. Two completely different extremes with this. One end, never have, actually, both ends have never watched Anthony Richardson. Or if they've had, they've watched one game. Or two, maybe. But when you look at Anthony Richardson, the Combine, what he did at the Combine is insane. I don't want people to look at that and go, that's normal. It's the same thing we talk about Josh Allen's development. What he did is not normal. At six foot four, 244 pounds, to run a 4-4-3, a jump a 40-and-a-half-inch vertical, have a 10.9-foot broad jump. Like, this is stuff that doesn't happen. And he looked wonky at times in some of the intermediate passes. He throws one of the best deep balls in all of college football. Not just the draft. 
in all of college football. And the people that are looking at this are going on the one side, going, Anthony Richardson, first overall pick, guaranteed. And the other side are going, this dude sucks, watch his tape, do this, he looks good in underwear, so he doesn't look good in college. Like, this chick on Twitter, I think she works for Barstool. I'm not familiar with it, I apologize. But it got 8,800 likes on Twitter. And she quote tweeted the NFL, and her name's Katie Stats. Uh, the tweet from the NFL says he's just showing off at this point, and all he was doing was spinning a ball on his finger. And she said, has everybody just forgotten his game tape? Have you? Have you watched him? There are moments that he'd had last year, just last year alone. I mean, you go, wow, go back and read my freaking post. Go back and read all of those. Go watch his first, I, it's against Eastern Washington, I understand that, but go watch his first two plays against Eastern Washington. Watch some of the throws he made against Texas A&M. Watch some of the runs he made against LSU and Texas A&M again. Go watch some of the throws he made against Missouri. Florida State, he carried the entire Florida State defense 15 yards down the field. Like, this is a guy that is as athletically gifted of a quarterback that we've ever seen. Like, the comparisons to Cam Newton are going to be there, but even when you compare to Cam Newton at the combine, they're not even similar. Richardson had a high, hit a five-inch vertical, better, higher vertical. He had a longer broad jump. He had a way faster forty. Like, and he's like, and he's uh, just four pounds lighter than Cam Newton at the combine. Like, there's total extremes with Andy Richardson. And this is the exact same thing to a certain extent what happened with Josh Allen. But the problem is, just like with Josh Allen, a lot of people haven't watched Anthony Richardson play. Because Florida was not very good. Florida had the talent to keep up with teams. They were athletic as hell. The problem was the defense was shut down and the offense was just all over the place. They didn't have a consistent game plan. It was like Anthony, it's a similar-ish thing to Josh Allen. Anthony Richardson goes, do, go do something. Like Trevor Etienne, brother Travis, really good running back, talented running back, and Ricky Pearsall at wide receiver. Those are their two best players outside of Richardson. Now, they obviously got, like, Osiris Torrance, the guard. But, like, Anthony Richardson, go, there was a run he had. Oh, who was it? It was against Tennessee or Georgia. I can't remember. Where he jumps off, like, pulls out, like, four different tacklers and hurdles somebody down the field. That's not normal. And I'm not sitting here and saying, like, preaching to you that Anthony Richardson is the best quarterback of all time or Anthony Richardson deserves to be the first overall pick. I understand why people wouldn't draft Anthony Richardson first overall, but I also understand why they would. Because no one else out of these quarterbacks is doing anything like this. Not even what he was doing while he was playing when you, quote-unquote, do you remember how bad his tape was? Because you don't. There are questionable moments, sure, but there's questionable moments with, with Will Levis, too. And a lot of people in the NFL love Will Levis. Richardson and Levis are going to be dividing opinions all the way up till the draft. C.J. Stroud had moments that were very questionable last year. But he has elite, elite wide receivers. And he has two off to tackles that are going to get drafted in the first round. Potentially. Paris Johnson's guaranteed. Dewan Jones is borderline first-round draft pick. With Marvin Harrison Jr. as the best player in next year's draft right behind Caleb Williams. Like, and he had two top 11 picks last year. And he got a first-round draft pick in Jack Smith and Jigba this year. Anthony Richardson and Will Levis didn't have that. So to do what they did without any semblance, like Bryce Young was insane this year because everything Alabama did this year ran through Bryce Young. Alabama's offense was Bryce Young go do something. They had Jameer Gibbs, and that was pretty much it. Like Cameron Ladu was decent, 
Jermaine Burton was inconsistent as hell. Trayson Holden was up and down. They never had Tyler Harrell. Like transfer from Louisville. That dude could have been a difference maker. Speedster. Like freaking crazy. I think he played like three games this year. He didn't do anything. He was hurt early. But like these players were supposed to be really good. And Alabama just didn't have that. Like the one game Bryce Young missed this past year. Against Texas A&M. At home. They almost lo- probably should have lost. While A&M had their backup quarterback in. Who though, to be fair, was the starter at the beginning of the season. So it wasn't, I I did make fun of Jimbo Fish for saying that we had our backup in when technically he was a starter at the start of the season. So he was a starter. Jalen Miller was not a starter at any point. And I'm intrigued to see what Alabama does at the quarterback position this year, how good Miller does this year, because the offense is going to be a little bit different than what it was this past year. Jalen Miller and Bryce Young are very dissimilar players. They're going to have, a, I would imagine anyways, a more run-centric style of offense this year. Bryce Young can do that and could have done that, but Bryce Young was so elite throwing the ball that it kind of made things like, okay, we don't need to do that. Like, Alabama will see your weakness and try to elevate your strengths, like, even more. Like, you look when Jalen Hurts was there. Like, when they had Jalen play and when they had Tua play, at the same time, when they're both there, the offenses were two completely different things. Like, Alabama's very good at adjusting their offense to this, the fit the needs of the quarterback, the fit the skill set of the quarterback. Bryce Young could have run Jalen Hurts' offense. He could have. I have no doubt in that. He's smaller than Jalen Hurts, but he could have run that. He's a smart runner. But he didn't need to. And I wish Bryce Young ran more than what he did, which is just funny to think about because Bryce Young is a very talented and gifted runner. We didn't see that at the Combine. He didn't do anything at the Combine. So at the Combine for the quarterbacks, you had, like, out of the big four, because you had Richardson and Stroud go back-to-back at QB 11 and QB 12, and then you had Levis go with the first group. Levis was interesting I think the big thing you take away from Will Levis's uh, combine appearance was his appearance, <laughs> his hair. That was the thing that was making the the oohs and ahs on Twitter was Will Levis's hair just staying in the same place the entire freaking time. It was impressive. It was impressive. But the thing that I had a little bit of an issue with, he throws it really hard. Like Levis is a very gifted thrower of the football, very gifted thrower of the football. But what my issue was, if you say you got a cannon, you're going to show it off, you cannot underthrow receivers on the deep ball, if that makes sense. Like, you can't come in that day and go, I'm going to show off my cannon, this is why I'm throwing today. And literally call it a cannon, and then not bomb it down the field. But that was a little, it, Levis's performance was fine. I think where Levis and Connor Richardson did the best work was the interviews. I think that's where they dominated it. A lot of people really like Will Levis. A lot of people like Anthony Richardson even more for the interviews rather than what he even did on the field, which, again, which otherworldly what he did on the football field on Saturday. Like, Levis looked fine. Levis didn't really do a whole lot at the combine. But what went fun was when Stroud and Richardson did it. And, like, you watch what those two were doing, and the fact they were number 11 and 12 was really funny because they went back-to-back. Now, Stroud didn't run the 40, if I remember correctly, which I wish he did. I wish he did. Because the big question going into C.J. Stroud this offseason or this draft process is his lack of, or I shouldn't say lack of, his perceived lack of mobility. I think that's the big thing that's kind of concerning people because he didn't really utilize his legs at all last year. Where we saw him use his legs, he was effective. The game against Georgia, the game against Northwestern, like games like that where you saw him use his legs to pick up big moments in the game. 
Like, that's where people are going to want to see him more. And his pocket mobility will definitely need to improve. But what happened at the Combine for Stroud, if we're talking about which quarterback looked the best throwing it, to really no surprise, C.J. Stroud looked the best. Because C.J. Stroud, for what Levis and Richardson have athletically over Stroud, Stroud's the most accurate quarterback in this class. We have said that the past for the past two seasons. So Stroud is a, a an assassin when it comes to spreading the football around. And you can go back to like early shows last year where I sat on this show and defended C.J. Stroud because people were saying he should get benched. And then now we're talking about, oh, C.J. Stroud's the best quarterback in this draft class. It's funny how things work out like that. Like, one thing I try to be on this show, and I'm going to get things wrong. <clears throat> I'm definitely going to get things wrong. But what I try to be on the show is consistent. If I didn't like Stroud back then, I don't really want to think I'd like him now. Like, Stroud back then, I had to go on here and defend CJ Stroud. On Twitter, on here, everywhere, I had to defend CJ Stroud. I saw tweets saying that CJ Stroud, oh, Ohio State should put one of their other five-star quarterbacks in because Stroud ain't it. And then, surprise, surprise, Stroud is a back-to-back Heisman finalist. Stroud's a damn good quarterback. Like, this is what I have a problem with people on Twitter going off of, oh, he just looks good in workouts, his film didn't look good, because you're just looking at his numbers. You're not looking at what he actually did. Like, people on Twitter, there there was a whole Twitter account dedicated to bashing C.J. Stroud. Like, you can go find the show. You can go find the Logan Blackman Show episode where we talked about that, because it was really depressing. I was like, this has to be Kyle McCord's Twitter account. Like, it's Burner. Because there's no reason anybody should be talking this crazy about C.J. Stroud. Like, his whole Twitter account, or her, or her, didn't have his or her profile picture as them. Their whole page was dedicated to hating C.J. Stroud. And I'm saying that lightly. You, it, The Twitter account is surprisingly not up anymore. <laughs> surprisingly not up anymore. Let's see if I can try and find this. Because it was about in September of last year is when this would have, or no, two years ago, 2020. Where would it have been at? Spring football, please take away Rutgers. Big 12, that was an interesting title there, Logan. When would that have been? Around the world. Oh, that's when Aston, Jack Grealish went to Manchester City. We're back, maybe. That's October. No, where is this show? There, there was a whole show. Or no, no, no. What am I doing? It's 2021. I'm all the way back in 2020. No, we got to go to 2021. I'm getting all my years mixed around. So I'll tell you which episode it is. That's what I'm trying to do. Because it is a good show. I do I do like the show. Because it's funny. It's funny. Quinn Ewers. There's that one. NFL starting QBs. Making fun of Nebraska. Quarterback situations. Ronaldo demands City. Oh, that was a depressing show. <laughs> that was a very depressing show. Fantasy football, Lance versus LAC. What does that mean? Did he play the Chargers? Lance, oh, that was preseason. That was preseason. Mac Jones, starting times, McShay, top 50. Logan's weekend, big name. Where is it at? Field of Dreams. I'm tr- Messi to PSG. QB Mount Rushmore, Bulls. Just, I just said Bulls in the, in the, <laughs> the title. Awkward interactions, Cubs Big Three, USMNT versus Guitar Number, July. So it had to be September. When did I talk about this? Kara Carly, Heisman rankings, quarterback prospect rankings. This is really bothering me now. Where would it have been? 
It, it has to be this one, right? Seymour. There was a whole show we did dedicated to this loser that was hating on CJ Stroud. And now I can't find it. Whatever. You can go search for yourself. I'm not going to spend the entire show trying to find this individual episode. But it's on there. And it's a fun listen. It's a fun listen. But Stroud does. That's two things Stroud will need to work on. Is his pocket awareness. Because he looks very. When he when the pocket breaks down, he looks very flush. You could go watch the game against Iowa. Like CJ Stroud put up really good numbers against Iowa. Really good. I think he had four, four or five touchdowns in the game. But he did not look comfortable. He did not look comfortable back there. The game against Michigan did not look comfortable. Again, the game against Georgia, against like the, one of the best defenses in college football, he looked fine. He looked very fine. <laughs> he looked damn good in that game. And, uh, yeah, then there's just normal running ability, which, again, that game against Georgia is weird because that's the best defense he played, and yet that's the game he – that was his best game ever. That was his best game ever. And at the Combine, he lit it up in regards to the throwing drills. And it's throwing on air, and my big thing that I've talked about a hundred times in the show, literally anybody can look good on air. Anybody. As a quarterback. I guess I shouldn't say, like, anybody. Like, your grandma couldn't go out there and look decent throwing the football around. Maybe this should, maybe, hey, maybe she could. Maybe she could. Maybe I'm vastly underrating your grandma on this. But a high school-level quarterback can look good throwing on air. Backup high school-level quarterback throwing on air. Like, it doesn't take a lot, but, like, hell... I went to a blue-gray All-American camp, a regional combine, down where the Chiefs practice. Is there, uh, what is, what's the school called? Southeast Missouri State. Southwest Missouri State. Whatever, the Griffins. I was ranked third best quarterback out of 30 for my accuracy on air. Didn't have one single defender there. I was ranked third. And I shit the bed in Canton when I went to the national combine. Like, a lot of, it's easy to look good on air. But, there's a way you can look good on air. You should complete every single pass. By by all means, you should complete every single pass, okay? There was, like, one throw? It was one of two that Richardson missed because his footwork was a little up and down. But, again, that's the rawness in him. But Stroud hit every route. Stroud was on time on everything. There were, It was kind of funny on the verts. Like, if you go back and watch C.J. Stroud throw the vertical routes, which he looked really good throwing the verts because that was his other big thing. He doesn't have as strong of an arm as Richardson, Levis, or Young. He doesn't have as strong as arm as either one of them, any of those guys. Like, he doesn't have a bad arm by any stretch of the imagination. He doesn't have a bad arm. It's just not up there with the likes of Richardson, Levis, and Young. It's just not. Even Tanner McKee, Jaron Hall. Like, it's he doesn't have an arm like that. But he's deadly accurate. And like he said in his interviews, he'd rather just take the safe thing than try to force something down the field when he doesn't necessarily, he didn't say this, but necessarily have the arm straight to get it down there and throw, force an interception. He's very smart. But on his deep throws... He, like, the receiver would go, and he'd still be, quote-unquote, under center. Like, just standing there under center. But there's no center there, so it's, he's not really under center. But you get what I'm saying. And it was weird. It was like, dude, what what is going on here? Are the receivers leaving earlier, or are you just standing there? And then it happened, like, two more times. It was like, oh, okay, so what are you doing? Why are you waiting so long? Like it's not, <laughs> But the throws were good. Throws were really good. C.J. Stroud had one of the best on-air throwing days at a combine in the past few years like he looked really really good and the thing that I think's key here this is what's going to be very interesting when it comes to these quarterbacks is the one thing that was very noticeable the crowd loved CJ Stroud and if you did not know where this combine takes place it's in Indiana- in Indianapolis like Ohio State is close ish I guess to state over from Indianapolis. 
So, like, there might have been a lot of Ohio State fans there, but uh, there might have been a lot of Colts fans that were really excited to see C.J. Stroud throw because when he threw, that stadium got loud. I don't know. I haven't watched it back. Maybe I should go back and watch through it all again. But when he went up, everybody got loud. And one thing that I think about Jim Irsay and we said this in the in the mock draft thing. So again, if you want to check out mock draft 1.0, it is on the loganblattmanshow.com. Go over to the blog section or scroll down to the main page and you can find it there. One thing about Jim Ursay is that I feel and I saw I stole this from Twitter. I thought it was funny. Like he's a checkers player, not chess player. Like you know the old saying he's playing chess, not checkers. Jim Ursay does not look like a chess guy. Jim Ursay looks like a checkers guy. Where there's not really that much strategy into it. And I could see him being somebody that would go, wow, look at the crowd, man. And he kind of talks like that. It's not a perfect rendition of him, but he kind of talks like this. Look at, listen to the crowd, man. Chris, Chris, Shane, you guys got to listen to the crowd, man. They are eating up this Stroud kid. Like, we got to get this guy. We got to get this guy. Like, there's a bunch of different ideals that we got going on with the the Indianapolis Colts draft room. It's going to be interesting to see which one comes out on top. They're taking a quarterback. It's just a matter of which one. And Steichen, the new head coach, Eagles offensive coordinator, so a lot of people are linking Anthony Richardson there because of what he did with Jalen Hurts. And I've said last Friday, and we've said it even before then, if they're wanting a quote-unquote Jalen Hurts style of offense, that would be Will Levis. That wouldn't be Richardson. Richardson is more athletic than uh, Jalen Hurts. Levis and Hurts are more similar athletically, in my opinion. That's just, you can take it or leave it. You can take it or leave it. But that's how I look at it. So if you want to go that route, you would go after Levis. But if you want to go like the extreme raw prospect route and you feel comfortable in your development team, then you go with Richardson because he's definitely got the highest ceiling. And we, again, stay consistent. We have said this since the fall. Like this is not something that we've randomly randomly stumbled upon. You can go back and listen to shows about it. You can go back and read blog posts about it, whatever. Go do what you can to find out about this. If you're like, Logan, you're just saying that. Because you want Anthony Richardson to do good because he looked good at the combine, which he did. But no, we've been saying this. But that Stroud noise, every time he threw, it got loud. It got very loud. And what was fun is that on the deep throws, so Richardson went, Richardson threw some great ball. I was like laughing watching Anthony Richardson throw the deep ball. Like he has a cannon, absolute how it served him. There was one throw he had that he got too much air under it, but Stroud looked good too. And they went through the whole lineup of quarterbacks and then, they went back and they were like, hey, who wants to throw again? And then Stroud ran up. And then right after Stroud went, Richardson was going to go back up again, but they had a guy go in front of him. I don't remember who it was exactly. I think it was Clayton Toon, the quarterback from Houston. I think it was Clayton Toon. And then it might have been Tanner McKee was up there too. But I don't I don't remember the exact order they had it in. But it was uh, like they were just having basically a dick measuring contest. It was basically like, I can throw farther. No, I can throw farther. No, look at like if they didn't stop the combine, I'm sure those guys would still be thrown because they're like your competitors. These are like people talk about. Oh, I hate losing. You don't hate losing as much as a professional athlete. You don't. And kids that are going to be professional athletes, these two are 21 years old. They are fighting for a job. They are at the biggest, most highly scrutinized job interview, arguably in the country. The NFL Combine. You are playing in front of millions of people trying to win one of 32 jobs. And you're trying to get drafted higher than the other person because you want to get paid more. And Richardson versus Stroud, these are two guys that are going to be competing directly against each other at two completely different skill sets. 
And what was interesting with Bryce Young, going off Young, Young didn't do anything. Young pulled the same strategy that Kyler Murray did back in 2019. Because remember what Kyler Murray did? We were hosting the show up at KULT up at UNI at the time. I don't remember if we had the the if the if we recorded episodes back then. I don't remember if we recorded back then, but we were on the air doing that one. And all Kyler Murray did at the combo was get measured. All he did because that was the big thing. If Kyler Murray's over five ten, he's going to get drafted first overall. And the thing that's funny about this is that Bryce Young came in at five ten, and where the hell did it go? Where is his measurements at? I just had it up. Uh, yeah, here it is. Uh, 204. 5'10", 1'8", So they're the same height. The difference is, though, Kyler Murray at Oklahoma, I'm pretty sure, was listed at 5'10". Bryce Young was listed at 6 foot. And we've said this the entire season. There ain't no way in hell this dude's 6 foot tall. I'm 6 foot tall. And I feel like I dwarf Bryce Young, both in height and weight. And the thing is, Warren Sharp, who I like Warren Sharp's Twitter account for the most part, combined measurements. Kyler Murray, 5'10", 1'8", 207". Bryce Young, 5'10", 204. And he posted a picture of Kyler at Kyler and Bryce Young at the the Heisman house. I would like to say this. I understand what he's trying to do because they're like, no way Bryce Young and Kyler Murray are the same size looking at this picture. The problem with this picture is Kyler Murray has been in the NFL for since 2019. So however long that is. I'm not going to do the math right now. I know it's, not, I know it's easy. I'm not going to do it. Kyler Murray's had enough time to bulk up. And the picture you're using is Bryce Young, not even before he bolted. He's probably 180 pounds of this picture. Like, he got a nutritionist to get his weight up at the combine. Like, I've said this before about Bryce Young versus Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray's a lot. In an unweird way, Kyler Murray is thicker than Bryce Young in the chest. Like, he's got a bigger chest than Bryce Young does. He looks bigger than Bryce Young. Now, again, that also comes with the caveat that Bryce Young, or Kyler Murray, has been in the NFL for going on four years now. So he's had equity in the game. He's got skin in the game. He's been in the league. He's worked out with NFL people. So he's got nutritionists. He's got all that stuff to get bigger. But I don't know. I think the picture is a little misleading because that's not they're not that's not when they were measured. The two pictures here are before Bryce Young got a nutritionist and then after Kyler Murray was in the NFL. So you can't use that picture to go over their combine measurements because that's not that's not the same thing. I understand. Again, I understand what he was trying to do. I understand what he was trying to do. But, yeah, I don't even think Bryce Young is going to play at 200 pounds. I don't think he can. Like, he's tiny. Like, there is – like, I, I have a hard time even believing he's 204. Like, even without the picture. Even without the picture, I have a hard time believing he's 204. And I know that's an official measurement, but it just feels weird. Like, five – and it's a lot – the thing with Bryce Young, it's a lot – more normal to see 5'10 and 1'8 than it was for Kyler. Like, I remember that being a massive thing. It's not really been a massive thing that Bryson was over 5'9 because he was listed at 6' foot for whatever reason. And that's the thing we've talked about before. Like, when I was in high school, even at William Penn, you gave them your height and weight. They didn't measure you. They measured you, but they put down what you told them. Like, you had your preseason physical at Penn for college, and then you had your physical and stuff in high school so you could go to school. So you have all those measurements, but they didn't go off official measurements. You went like, yeah, I'm six foot 190, which I was at the time because I thought that having two zeros at the end was nice. Now I'm six foot, probably 213, if I had to guess. I was looking at pictures today. I was at my parents' house. We talked about that a little bit ago. I was at my parents' house, and my mom found, because we cleaned off all those, or we, they, cleaned off all the bookshelves, 
and they she found a photo album, I guess, my senior pictures. Photo senior picture photo album. I think I could eat senior year at Logan Blackman. 18 years old Logan. I'm seven years older. I know I'm like age, you get bigger and stuff like that, but that Logan looked freaking tiny. And the funny part was my hair was changing colors at the time. My hair when I was a child was bleach blonde. I'm not even joking. You, if you ask me, I will show you pictures of young Logan. And it is bleach blonde. And I had a missing tooth there. Oh, I still do. But it's actually screwed into my head now. But bleach blonde hair. My senior of high school. So my hair now is brown. My senior of high school, my sides are brown. The top of my head's still blonde. So it's a very weird... I hate the pictures because they're very odd to look at because it's just two different hair colors. It's very weird to look at. I don't know if anybody else like that. It's just very strange. But now my hair is just brown. I used to not like that my hair would be brown, but it looks more natural. My sister's tried to hide the fact that she has brown hair. She's slowly starting to come around the idea that she has brown hair. But I don't even know what this has to do with anything. <laughs> oh, yeah, the height and weight thing. So Bryce Young probably said he was six foot 194. He... He's not, Bryce Young at Alabama is not bigger than senior year Logan. I'm sorry. Senior year Logan was six foot 190. Actually, six foot 190. Bryce Young in Alabama was not six foot and definitely wasn't 194 pounds. I said last season, he's probably 5'10, 175, 180. That was probably what he was playing at. There ain't no way in hell he was 194 pounds. I'm sorry. He's not. Now he's 204. Makes sense because he's getting, he got a nutritionist. But that's going to be interesting. Because I saw a tweet the other day, and it was like, if you trust your offensive coaches, this is the route you go. You go Richardson, Levis, Young, Stroud. If you don't trust your offensive coaches, and you just want a guy, like the thing before, if you trust your development team, essentially. If you don't trust your development team, you go Young, Stroud, Levis, Richardson. Like, Young will be one of the top guys regardless. Young is the best quarterback, if you're just talking about natural skill set, out of these quarterbacks. Just from what we saw in college what he can do on a football field, size, regard, disregard that, this dude can play. Bryce Young can freaking play. Bryce Young can ad-lib. Bryce Young can make moves, make plays on the fly. Bryce Young can make run, throws on the run. He is very accurate. Like Everything you want in a quarterback, Bryce Young is, except the fact he's 5'10", 200 pounds. He's not athletically, he's not strapping huge like Richardson and Levis. Even Stroud. Stroud's bigger than Young. Stroud's six foot three. I think he weighed in at 218 today, or Saturday, 218. Like, Young is tiny compared to the other quarterbacks in this draft class. The top guys, the top guys. Because you got, like, Jake Hayner, who's around that. He's, like, 5'11", 190 something. So you got, you've got other quarterbacks that are similar ish size. But out of the top guys, that's where it's going to get interesting. What, what do you value out of these quarterbacks? What do you value the most? Because the NFL, we've said this a thousand times. We brought it up last week. when you talk, We talked about Josh Allen talking about the Chiefs. We want to be like the Chiefs. And the thing he said before that, the NFL is a copycat league, meaning if it works for one team, it why the hell shouldn't it work for everybody? Like, everybody should be copying this. Like, this is what works for them. We should try it. You see that with, like, people trying to draft the next Tyreek Hill. Draft the fastest player in the draft. You see people drafting returners in the first round because of Devin Hester. You see people going off of... This guy's raw. He's Josh Allen. We'll draft him high. Like, you got all these different things, so you look at what's working now in the NFL. Like, go through the different styles of quarterbacks currently standing in the NFL, the top, top guys. In no particular order. Well, actually, you're going to have a particular order because I'm going to be biased here. I'm not going to say this is, like, where they rank, but Allen, <laughs> Mahomes, Burrow, 
Hertz, Herbert, Lawrence, like these guys, top guys in the NFL. You rank the top six quarterbacks in the NFL currently, those guys are the top six. You might have some other pieces in there, but those should be your top six around that. What do they all have in common? They're all physically gifted. They're all bigger quarterbacks. They're all big-bodied quarterbacks. You look at the smaller quarterbacks in the NFL, which is just average-sized human beings, even above-average-sized human beings. Kyler, Russell, then you've got um, Baker. Like, quarterbacks that are smaller quarterbacks. Baker found success late with the Rams, but that was before he got cut in Carolina. Russell Wilson was that guy in Seattle, and then now we're talking about was he ever that good? And then Kyler tore his ACL. And Kyler's very up and down. There's probably someone else I'm forgetting about completely. But these smaller quarterbacks, for these GMs, I'm not saying this is coming from Logan Blackman. This is not Logan Blackman's opinion because I think quarterback doesn't matter. I don't think size matters about the quarterback. I think if you can play, you can play. And I would take Bryce Young first overall. If I'm sitting here right now, I'd take Bryce Young first overall. Because I think of athletically, if he tested, he would have had a great combine. I have no doubt in that. He's just small. So the NFL, with what's working now, would that lead to the fact of Bryce Young potentially slipping in the draft because of, quote-unquote, what works now? And you look at what happened at the combine, Bryce Young didn't work out. So that's going to be another thing that comes around because I am a, for, I'm a believer that there are correlations between testing and on-the-field performance, but testing should not be the overarching theme for why you draft somebody. Because as I've said before, there's never going to be a moment in a game where, let's just go with Osiris Torrance, the guard from Florida, ever runs 40 yards in a straight line as fast as he can. And the big caveat there is in his underwear. Like, that's the big caveat here. But when you have players like this, and you see Stroud do well, Richardson do well, Levis have a decent combine, and Young didn't throw or do anything, that lasting thought's like, I watched this guy recently do this. And we talked about Mike Mamula dominating the combine because he practiced every single tra- every single workout for the combine. He worked out for the combine. His draft stock rose because of it. Didn't do a lot at Boston College. He was seeing him as like a fringe first rounder and then went to a seventh overall pick. Like that. Above Warren Sapp and Derek Brooks. <laughs> like two All-Famers are both drafted by the Bucks. So, I don't know. Maybe that hurts. Spencer, my friend Spencer asked me about it last night. About what's the last thing that people remember you by? The last thing people remember Richardson by is him running a 4-4-3. That's the last thing people are remembering Richardson by. For people, certain people in the NFL. I'm not saying specifically for me or for everybody else out there. But for certain people in the NFL, watching him do that, it's like, oh my God, that's the last thing we saw him do. But you can see that on the football field again. He did that at Florida. It's not like that. Like There were multiple times he ran 40 yards in a straight line. Numerous times. <laughs> like That speed correlates. That speed correlates. And the thing that's really funny about his 40 time is that he didn't have good technique at all. If you watch the end zone view, he's all over the place. So like what we talked about with Kyle Hamilton before, about Kyle Hamilton being all over the, the, the track when he was running the 40 last year. Imagine if Richardson had good technique running the 40. We were talking about a quarter that ran a four, a sub four, four forty. You know how stupid that is. Like there are fast quarterbacks. Don't get me wrong. Sub four, four forty, at two hundred and forty four pounds is not normal. It's not. 
So when you look at these draft classes, this draft class, who's QB1? Who's QB1 out of these quarterbacks? And the thing is, each team is going to have two, is going to have completely, completely different criteria for what your quarterback is. Because like we talked about before, you could have faith in your development system and that leads you to go Richardson as number one. Or you have faith with what you have as a team and you go Bryce Young as number one. So it's all about what you feel like your organization is. And you look at the teams in the top 10 that need quarterbacks. You got the Texans. You got the Colts. You've got the Lions at six, who don't need a quarterback, but they can because you got Jared Goff's two years left on his deal. I've said this before on the show. I think the Lions would be very, very good for Anthony Richardson. And then you've got the Seahawks to a certain extent. They haven't even they haven't locked Geno up yet. So we'll see what happens there, but they could move for a quarterback. Then you got the Raiders at seven. The Falcons, I don't think they should. I don't think they will, but let's just throw them out there. And then you've got the Panthers at 10. Titans at 11 are going to be a mystery team. The Jets at 13 will be someone that is, gets talked about quite a bit. But I don't, again, similarish thing. I don't think they will. I think they're going to go out for like Derek Carr or uh, Aaron Rodgers. And they're going to move forward with that and try to have faith in Zach Wilson because they drafted him second overall. They got to act like, hey, we've got the guy. We dra- We made the right choice, guys. So they're going to have to try and put the, the, the commanders at 16 will be another team that are going to be interesting in that regard. The Ravens at 22. Two are going to be another team that's going to be interesting there. The Bucks at nineteen. So like, there you look at all these different teams. Let's focus on the top ten teams, though. If you're a team that, like, if you are the Lions, that would lead you to be a team that drafts Anthony Richardson. Or if you're a team like the Panthers and you're going to get another guy, maybe potentially they're in talks with a few quarterbacks this offseason, like they always are. We'll see if they actually move for one. Then a Richardson or a Levis would be a guy there. But if you're a team that is saying, hey, we want this guy to come in and play right away, then Stroud and Young are your guys, which is very weird because Will Levis is the oldest guy here. He's 23, but all three of the other guys are 21. So it's gonna, it's kind of weird to think about it like that. But those three, or those, Young and Stroud are more ready. Richardson's not. I, I don't know why I said those three. But I, for his age, he's 21, but he's not ready yet. The Mahomes thing will work for him. The Mahomes thing of don't play him at all his rookie year until his last game, see what he got, and then go into the next season and play him. Young and Stroud could play week one. Young and Stroud could play week one. So it's just, again, what how desperate you are. And I think for a team like the Panthers, drafting a guy like Richardson or Levis makes a lot of sense. For the Texans, they have Davis Mills there, but I think they're going to want a guy to plumb in and play right away. So that's where Bryce Young makes the most sense. Colts, they're talking to just some – they're talking to some. Like, they're, they've had Derek Carr in town – so we'll see if Derek Carr comes in. So if he comes in, then Levis, Levis and Richardson makes sense there. And I forgot to mention this guy, but Carson Wentz got cut, and they used to probably go to the Panthers, follow Frank Wright to Carolina. That could be an option. Why not? Could be an option. But who's QB1 to me? Logan Blackman of the Logan Blackman Show sitting here on March 5th. I think Bryce Young's QB1. I've had Bryce Young. You can go back, and I keep saying this because, again, I want you to think that this show is consistent of anything else. You could not like me. You can think I smell. You can hate my voice. You can hate everything about me. For one thing you cannot say about me is I'm not consistent. I have talked about Bryce Young on this very show since COVID first kicked off. But when he was in freaking high school. So this is not something that's like, oh, I'd start liking Bryce Young when he's like, no. We said Bryce Young was more talented than Mac Jones before Mac Jones had his Heisman season. Where he came third in the Heisman. 
We had said it before that season, but we said Mac Jones didn't do anything to lose the job, so it's going to be Mac Jones' job. But Bryce Young's QB1. Then we get into district different difficult territories here about what you're wanting after that. Again, I don't think the gap between Young and everybody else is like astronomical. I think if Young was taller, we wouldn't be having a conversation here. We wouldn't be having a conversation. But people on Twitter, with the Bears trading them over pick, overall pick, presumably, as they should, the price of Brick gone up because of Richardson's combine, because of, of Stroud's combine, because of Levis's combine. And Young's banging on the fact that I was a Heisman Trophy winner. I'm the only Heisman Trophy winner here. Not that that correlates to the NFL success. Like, a lot of Heisman Trophy winners don't really work out in the NFL. A lot of them. Like, more recently, you've seen Heisman Trophies work out a little bit more. But back in the day, like Chris Winkie, nothing. Leinert, nothing. Vince Young should have won one. Nothing. It doesn't always correlate. Jason White never played a snap in the NFL. Had knees of an 80-year-old. Nine, maybe even a 120-year-old Jason White. Quarterback for Oklahoma. <laughs> Doesn't always work out, but Bryce Young is is different. And I think the fact that this was one of the worst Alabama offenses in recent memory, I think that will add to that as well. And then with Stroud, that's where the thing with Stroud will be in because Stroud's going to come into a situation where, presumably, he's not going to go to a good team. So the conversation, again, this is what they're going to be talking about in these locker rooms and these GMs and these all owners, all these things. He worked with, if he was healthy, we're going to include him here, four top 15 draft picks at wide receiver. If he was healthy, Jack Smith and Jigba would be a top 15 pick. Guaranteed. Not even not even a question. And he's already having conversations about him being back in the top 15 after his combine performance. Dude had a really good combine. Really good combine. So you had Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, Jack Smith and Jigba, and Marvin Harrison Jr. So you have two top 10 picks in there, and Crystal and Garrett Wilson and Marvin Harrison Jr. will be one next year. So that's going to be the question there. With, again, two potential first-round tackles. So that's going to be the question there. With Levis and Richardson not working with anything near that, not even close, you'd probably – I would not be surprised. This is so hard. I hate this. I hate this so much. Because the problem is, for me – uh, this is going to sound so stupid. Um, I like Levis and Richardson more than Stroud. Does that make me sound stupid? I'm not sitting here and saying, like, I don't think Stroud's good. Because I don't. I, I know, and I do. 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 But I think the athletic abilities of Young and or Richardson and Levis, I like that a lot. I think C.J. Stroud is an absolute point guard, absolute asset. What did he call himself at the combine? He said he called himself something about being an elite ball distributor, but he had like a, a name for himself. I don't remember what it was, but I think the ceilings of Levis and Richardson are higher. And in these situations, you're trying to build long term, and I think long term this could be. I, I could be completely wrong here, and I, I'm completely content with that. I've been wrong before. I'll be wrong again. I'm not perfect. I'm nowhere near perfect. I'm extremely smart, extremely good looking, but that's about it. But, like, I I can be wrong. Surprisingly, I know. It might be a shock to you. I can be wrong as I sip my Canada dry. Uh, my zero-calorie, zero-sugar drink, because I'm better than you. I don't know, man. I, I think Young's number one for me. 
and then I like rotate between Levis, Richardson, Stroud. Uh, it's very, it's a very fluid list. <laughs> it's a very fluid list because I like all of them. I like all of them. I think they all can be really good. At the NFL. If you're talking about like who I've loved the longest, I've definitely loved uh, Richardson the longest. It just sucks because I want to like all of them equally, but I can't. I, in good conscience, could I really rank Richardson over Stroud? My end of season rankings in football for what they did on the field this past year was Young, Stroud, Richardson, Levis. That was my final quarterback rankings for the season. That was my final four. But if you're look, that's what they did on the field. If I'm looking at what they could do in the future, when you look at what they had around them. I don't know. I'm going to, I might as well just stick with that. I don't know. I hate this. I hate scouting quarterbacks. I love it. And I hate it. This is what I've built kind of like <laughs> my, my life on at this point for the past three years, but maybe four years. Oh man. I hate this so much. I hate it so much. <laughs> and I love it too. I hate it. I love it. Like if you look at the entire season, so I had Young at number one for the most times. I had Stroud at number two for the most times. And then uh, I had Richardson at number three, one, two, three, four, five times. I had Levis at three, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven times. I don't know. I don't know. I like all of them. I really like all of them. Maybe I put Levis at three just because I, oh my God, I hate this so much. I'm not even going to give you one. I say love Young's QB one, <laughs> Young's because I'm gonna keep toying with myself the entire time, and I'm not gonna be able to come up with a definitive answer. Even though I defended Anthony Richardson, and I will continue to do that, I it's so hard. These quarterbacks are all different, but fun. Yeah, this guy, fifty three percent completion completion rate, barely twenty five hundred yards. Lol. And then that's a. Uh, and this guy came back with, wait till you hear a guy called Josh Allen, and then that's where all that comes up, comes back again. But I've said this before on the show, just with that whole thing with the completion percentage. Uh, that's not an accurate representation for completion percentage, for how accurate a quarterback is. Because all that tells you is that receiver caught the ball. That's all it tells you. Like interceptions even, really. Will Levis threw 10 interceptions, four of them were tipped. And six of them were catchable. From This is from Coward. This is from Coward. I don't remember every single interception. I remember his throws against Tennessee were kind of frustrating. He threw three interceptions against Tennessee. But I don't remember every single one. I'm trying to remember them, but I, I'm not I'm blanking right now. I just remember the three. There was one throw against Tennessee, so not all of them. That's just what Coward said. I'm just repeating at this point. I'm tired. I'm sorry. <laughs> I've talked for a while about this. But completion percentage only tells you if the receiver caught the ball. It doesn't tell you where the ball was placed. It doesn't tell you if the receiver had to make a play on the ball. It doesn't tell you if the receiver dropped the ball. Like Josh Allen's first interception this season bounced off Isaiah McKenzie's chest. That goes against Josh Allen's completion percentage and his interception numbers. Both of those. Negative on Josh. Didn't do anything to Isaiah McKenzie. But yet it was affected Josh's numbers. So when you look at completion percentage, take that in tongue-in-cheek. Because there are throws that Anthony Richardson completed last year that no one else has completed in this class. 100%. 100%. He didn't have the greatest receivers. He had some decent wide receivers, but none that compared to what C.J. Stroud had. That's my my whole thing there. But, man, quarterbacks are fun, but it's a pain in the ass. 
is an absolute pain in the ass because your fear of missing on a guy, like drafting Sam Darnold over Josh Allen, like it, it hurts. <laughs> it definitely hurts. But, man, like athletically I want to pick Levis and Richardson number two and three because they're more athletic than Stroud. And Stroud's not a bad athlete, but I don't know, man. But for the rest of the – for rest of the, what do you call it? The rest of the combine, there are a lot of winners and losers. There's winners and losers in every single combine. Every single year, there's going to be winners and losers. But for each position group, the winner at the combine was obviously Richardson. I mean, if you want to talk about just throwing the ball, it's probably Stroud. But Richardson blew it up. 4.4340. 40 and a half inch vertical. 10.9 broad jump. Like, ridiculous. He obviously won that. He obviously won that. I think Dorian Thomas Robinson played well or had a good, decent enough combine. I think he looked out. Stetson Bennett looked really good throwing the ball. Like, he had some really nice deep balls in that first group. Very nice deep balls. I still have my things about Stetson Bennett, but you know what? He looked good at the combine. He did look good at the combine. Then for running backs, this is one, again, I didn't really watch. So I apologize for this. But, 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 uh, Devin Ashnay from, uh, I don't even know if I'm saying his name right. I'm sorry. But from Texas A&M, a lot of people said he was going to run fast. And he did. 4.23. Fastest 40 out of the running backs. And he had Jameer Gibbs, 4.36. Bigger running. Not bigger. Not bigger. I think he came in at like five foot nine, But he's thicker. He's a thicker running back. Just under 200 pounds. So he's a little bit thicker of that. But he had a good 40. Very good 40. Bijan Robinson, very patient running back. Uh, he had a 4.46. Evan Hole from Northwestern. Good time for him. Uh, 4.47 for him. But yeah, there's a lot of good stuff. The running backs are fun. The running backs are fun. But Devin is probably the most athletic, naturally athletic running back in this class. Probably. Probably just with his speed and stuff like that. His speed's ridiculous. His speed is absolutely ridiculous. Tajay Spear is also very athletic. But Bijan Robinson is going to be the winner of the combine for that. He's going to be the winner there. Receivers, I'd say Jackson Smith and Jigba. See, he reminded people how good he is. He reminded people. Just with his route running, he didn't run the 40, which is not very surprising, but he looked really good. Same with Zay Flowers. Looked really, really good at the combine. For a receiver that was like, I don't know, maybe under, undervalued, I guess, from what I saw at the combine. Tyler Scott, I really like him from Cincinnati. Looked good. Uh, Who else do we have on here that looked good at the combine catching the ball? Uh, I mean, Trey Palmer ran a 4-3-3. Probably ran even faster than that. The time was weird. The time of the combine is really weird. Marvin Mims running a 4.38 was very impressive. Uh, a lot of people were down on Jordan Addison. Jordan Addison only ran a 4.49, which is really fast, but we just have this idea that it's not fast anymore for whatever reason. <laughs> but the, a lot of receivers had a good combine. A lot of receivers had good combines. Uh, tight ends, Darnell Washington. Just how big he is. We, like, you have a Georgia player. They're all going to be athletically gifted. All of them. And Darnell Washington, 4.64. The dude is 6'7", 264, and he don't look that big at all, like weight-wise. He didn't look anywhere that big. Like, it was ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. Like, he's fun. This dude's a really, really fun tight end, and I'm excited to see what he does at the next level. Like, you look at, like, Jackson Smith, the jig was three cone. 6.57. That is .03 seconds slower than Tyreek Hill. Like, he's ridiculous. Jackson Smith, the jig was reminding people about that. Then we got offensive line. No real, like, burners at, like, the 40. But Blake Freeland setting a record for four, for a vertical jump at 37 inches. 
Like, that's impressive. That is very impressive. Peter Skaronsky, 34.5 inches. Now, it's not going to translate ever. None of these numbers for these, these, uh, <laughs> these, jeez, Ovid's linemen are actually going to translate. Dewan Jones, being as big as he is, he had a pretty decent combine, six foot eight, like the freaking monster. But yeah, only, <laughs> there's not a lot of people that had a sub five in the combine for, uh, for Ovid's linemen. Defensive ends, Nolan Smith, I mean, 439. 439. He went from a borderline first round pick to, we're talking about probably a top 15 pick, at least top 20 pick. At least top 20. Like, this dude balled out at the com. I think Lucas Van Ness was a winner there, too. Uh, Adabaro from Northwestern. He was a winner in that, too, being 282 pounds. Run a 4-4-9. Impressive stuff. Like, there's some good players at the defense. The defensive line. Uh, Kalijah Cansey running a 4-6-7-40 was not really surprising in my to me. And I think Brian Bressy from Clemson. With all the injuries, I'm sure he it did. I, he's one of those guys that's going to be in and out of the first-round draft. First round of the draft because of the injury history. He hasn't played a full season in college football, but he is very, very talented. He's very, very talented. Just a matter of can he stay healthy. But Kalijah Kansi definitely helped himself. Linebackers? Linebackers? This one, again, I said this before the combine, but Iowa people just, they they are built for combines. They are built for combines. They are built for testing. Jack Campbell was probably the biggest winner out of this. He led in the three-cone by a quite a wide margin. He had the best 20-yard shuttle. He had the second-longest broad jump. like, And he's up there for vert as well. Second-highest vert at the combine for the running for the linebackers. Like, impressive. Impressive. Unsurprisingly, Trenton Simpson had a very fast 40. Owen Popo had a very fast 40. Uh, Dorian Williams had a fast 40. But, yeah, I would say Jack Campbell. I'd say Jack Campbell. Cornerbacks, there are two. Really two. Or three. Three. G.J. Turner was one of them. He was a borderline first-round draft pick going into the combine, and now we're kind of talking about him being more of that latter stage of the first round. We're in a four-two-six-forty. He's not very big. He's not the biggest corner out there. Five-eleven. He's like listed at five-nine, which is funny at Michigan, but he's 5'11", 178, which is bigger than what people expect. Like Kalijah Kansi was an inch taller. He was an inch taller. But DJ Turner with that forty-yard dash time is very, very impressive. And then we got Deontay Banks. Deontay Banks was that corner. I toyed with Deontay Banks versus Emmanuel Forbes for a while at my last mod draft. I really liked Deontay Banks. And then he had a 4 3 5 40. Then he had a vertical. He had a 42-inch vertical. Like this dude, and he had an 11-4 broad jump. Like Deontay Banks is a freaking baller. And then while we're on the topic of people dominating like the broad jump and the vertical, someone that was right next to Deontay Banks in pretty much every freaking category was freaking Julius Brents from Kansas State. This dude is freaking monstrous. Six foot three, 198 pounds. Big ass corner. 34 inch arms. Every single thing on here, he aced. And then you look at what he did at the combine. Broad jump, 11-6. Three cone, 6-6-3. Easily the best out of the corners in this draft class. 20 yard shuttle, 405. Easily the best at this combine. You look at the vertical just behind Deontay Banks, 41 and a half. Christian Gonzalez is another one. Christian Gonzalez dominated the combine, ran a really fast 42, like a 4.38. This dude's a long corner too. Emmanuel Forbes was a little surprised. He came at 166 pounds. It was very surprising, but the dude is long. The dude's a very talented. Like the corners looked really good this combine. The safeties didn't really come in like with burners on. 
They didn't really have the burners on. So a lot of it was on the field stuff. But again, I'm still holding out with Brian, with Brian Branch, baller. But Jartavius Martin from Illinois. Jartavius Martin, 44-inch vertical. 44. The Illinois boys, you had Sidney Brown there as well. 40-and-a-half-inch 40 40 vert. Look at the broad jump. Jartavius Martin. Oh, and guess who's behind him? Sidney Brown. Just the two top guys for the broad jump there too. Like these guys, that was cool. It was very cool stuff there. And Sidney Brown, 23 reps on bench press. Like those two had very, very good combines. Very, very good combines. The Illinois guys. And he was the highest 10-second split. 10-yard split, sorry, for Jartavius Martin. Sidney Brown, third in that mark. Yeah. The safeties weren't like absolute burners in this draft class. I saw someone tweet out something about the top safeties not really running that fast, but who cares? Who cares? They'll be fine. They'll be fine. And I forgot the special teamers did it. They did it after the corners. <laughs> so I watched Michael Turk from Oklahoma, the punter from Oklahoma, run a 4.83. Very impressive stuff. But the fastest 40 this year's combine. Let's give a round of applause if it would work. My computer froze. And it was DJ Turner, 4.26. Nice. Jacorian Bennett, 4.30. And then Devin Ashnay from AM, 4.32. Unsurprising with him. Unsurprising with him. He was a favorite for a lot of people to have the fastest 40 yard dash time. But those are your winners from the NFL scouting combine. I think Tyree Wilson, who didn't do anything, he's getting ready for his pro day. His length and his interviews, he's done very, very well in that category as well. I would say Tyree Wilson's guaranteed top five pick at this point. I think he's guaranteed top five pick. Let's take a sip of my ginger ale. Man, combine's really fun. It's my favorite thing. But I'm intrigued to see like these wide receivers. The wide receiver class is weird because there's a lot of people that think this draft class is not very good because there's no top, top guys. And the, the what do you call it? The value of the receivers in this draft class, people talking about, oh, they're going to wait to the second round to get a receiver. Like, I don't think this year versus previous that there's a massive gap between the number one guy and the number like 10 guy, I don't think there's really that massive a gap, which it makes sense to do that, but there's some good receipt. Like there's going to be probably still like five receivers in the first. They're all going to come in that. Like, I don't know. It's really weird because like the Patriots and Steelers are wild cards in this insane wild cards in drafting receivers because the Patriots, they had Zay flowers at the senior bowl or at the shrine bowl. And they draft a lot of players for that. And the Patriots don't really care where everybody thinks this player should go. Cole Strange being a prime example last year. Tyquan Thornton in the second round. Same thing. Like, you have a first-round pick at 14, Zay Flowers there, who a lot of people are saying is kind of putting himself as the number one guy. He's right up. Him and J JSN, for me, are the top two. With Jordan Addison, those are the top three. And Zay Flowers, interesting. And Jordan Addison, speaking of him, with Pitt, playing with Kenny Pickett in college, the Steelers have been known to neglect the offensive line in recent years. So Jordan Addison at 17... Like, you look at division rival Cincinnati Bengals, look at that, what that worked out for. You have George Pickens, Deontay Johnson already there. You had Jordan Addison, same thing to what the Bengals have. They had T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, they added Jamar Chase. You had Jordan Addison, you're feeling pretty good about yourself. And like the Bengals, you have offensive line questions. So, hell, and corner questions. So you're pretty much just copying the Bengals at this point. But, hey, they got to a Super Bowl. They got to a Super Bowl. So maybe it worked out. Maybe it'll keep working for them. Who the hell knows? Who the hell knows? Is that it? Is that all I've really got for you today? Is that really all I've got for you? What else do I have? I don't think I have anything else. <laughs> Trying to catch. 
what's going to happen with Saquon? I saw some Daniel Jones thinks he's worth 45 mil. That's the problem, though. We don't have, like, a middle ground for quarterbacks. So it's kind of a very weird uh, situation with that. So they might not be able to bring back Saquon, so maybe B. John Robinson's available for them. Who knows? Who knows? Oh, this thing. Uh, Nolan Smith said it wasn't even at full speed. And you know what? I, I believe him. Watching his combine, I don't think he ran the fastest. I don't think he ran. A, I don't think he ran as fast as he could, which is insane, absolutely insane. But those Georgia guys, again, you know that, you know that. But Blake Freeland, again, he had a 37-inch vert combine record, uh, 1.68 10-yard split, one away, 0.01 seconds away from being the all-time record. 10-inch broad jump, best along, best along offensive lineman, one second allowed in three years. He's good. He's good. Uh, which team is the best setup for the future between the Bears, Jets, Colts, Falcons, Panthers, Texans, the Jets? Jets are bet Jets have the best defense. And uh and a coaching staff that's returning. I don't know about the Falcons defense. Uh the Colts, don't know about them. Don't know about them. Texans, they've been bad forever. Panthers, I think, are second because they play in a terrible division, and the Bears got a lot of room to work with. But they they've got a lot of cap to work with. But I'd say Jets. Jets and Panthers probably are the two best set up for the future right now. Because the Panthers got a lot of young players they could work with. But we'll see. We'll see how it all works out. But that's your combine for you. That's your combine recap. Do I have anything else that I was dying to talk about? Absolutely dying to talk about. I don't think so. Hold on. Let's check. Let's see if we got anything else. I'm not sure. So we're going to leave it at that, I guess. So, yeah. I hope you enjoyed this Monday edition of Logan Blackman Show. I'm glad we did one today. I felt like I needed to do one because I had uh, the combine to recap. So I wanted to talk about it a little bit. Fun combine. Combine's always entertaining to watch. But, again, it's not the end-all and be-all. If a player didn't play good in college, but they looked good testing, don't overthink it too much. For Anthony Richardson, he was, there were moments where he looked really good in college. So don't act like he was an ass quarterback in college by just looking at his numbers. Don't. What is going on here? My my headphones are tangled around my chair leg. But with that being said, I will see you guys later. Remember to subscribe to the Aldo Logan Blackman Show uh, social media accounts. Subscribe to the Logan Blackman Show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Check out Mock Draft 1.0, and I will see you all later. Peace.